Sports Talk, where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Steve Jones Show. Great to have you with us today. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Basketball tonight, another big game for the Nittany Lion basketball team. You know, this is what you've been hoping for with any program. I don't care if we're talking about Bucknell basketball, Penn State football, Penn State basketball, wrestling, whatever. You want to get to late in the season and then realize that the games that you are watching, the games you are observing, the games you're announcing happen to be significant. Well, that's what's happened with Penn State basketball. In the 17-18 season, these games down the stretch have been significant because they've put themselves in a position to make them significant. They've got Michigan tonight. Very, very good Michigan basketball team. John Beeline's a really good coach. He's done a great job of molding this team. He had Mo Wagner coming back. He was going to build around him. He already knew he had a transfer in Charles Matthews out of Kentucky who stepped up and played very well. He knew he had a point guard in Xavier Simpson. But then he's been able to add in like Jordan Poole, Livers, two freshmen that have stepped up. He had Duncan Robinson. So he had some known entities. And, of course, Rockman, who has put together really an outstanding senior season. I've been impressed by how Rockman has played this year. He's always been a good player. He's never been a great player. I mean, anybody wants to say, oh, he's had a great, great career. Well, he's, he's had a good career at Michigan. He's had a good career. Uh, he's not one of the best players ever, but he's had a really good senior season. Really good. Not only that, I'm not just talking offensively. I mean, Rockmont's had a really good season at both ends of the floor. He's played really, really well defensively. Michigan is not a high turnover team. Nine per game. Michigan's not a high steals or block team. But they don't foul either. They only average 15 fouls per game. So they don't put you on the line a lot, and they don't usually get to the line. Or in part, part of it, too, is that they do get to the line, but they don't hit as many. They're only a 64% free throw shooting team. They only get 14% of their points at the free throw line. So that'll be tonight. It's a big game for Penn State, big game for Michigan. Michigan, I think, is safely, I think everyone knows that they're safely in the NCAA tournament, regardless of what they do down the stretch they're in. Penn State needs to keep winning to put themselves in the conversation. That means tonight, senior night for Julian Moore, senior night for Shep Garner at the Jordan Center beginning at 7 o'clock. We're on the air beginning at 6.30. Rob Beer Temple is going to join us in a few moments. We'll talk about some baseball, Neil Kulong, some football in the next half hour, and then we're going to open up and kick it into another gear. Dana O'Neill joins us to talk basketball tomorrow as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back. Great to have you with us. Penn State basketball tonight. The Nittany Lions at Michigan in the Jordan Center at 7 o'clock this evening. We'll be on beginning at 6.30. Big game for both teams on senior night at the BJC. It's just fun at this time of the year to have games with stakes where you're not playing out the string. They put themselves in that position. The Pirates have had an interesting camp. A veteran in David Freeze, Blunt. It's always fun for me to talk with Rob Beer Temple from The Athletic. Rob, welcome. It's great to hear from you again, my friend. Steve, you're hanging out with like one of the hottest college basketball teams in the country right now, and you want to talk to me about baseball? I know. <laughs> I, no, I know, but it's always fun to talk with you anyway, Rob. So let's say I'll talk with you anytime uh, about anything. <laughs> well, it's good to hear from you. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and you're right. They've been a hot team to watch. They've played very, very well. They're at a point now, Rob, where they can. You know, I walk into the arena, I feel like I didn't beat anybody. Very good. That's uh, that's quite a time to be a, a Penn State fan of any sport, man, between that wrestling team and yep. football team did pretty well. So, yeah. you know. Let's, uh, let's keep it rolling. Not bad at all. Now, the Pirates. Uh, David Freeze has a World Series ring, and he's performed well on the biggest stage. Uh, how interesting was his blunt conversation with the media about the uh, status of the Pirates? Yeah, it was a, a little, I, wanna, I don't want to say it was entirely unexpected, because uh, I, I got some vibe from him last year that, that he was not happy with the way things were going in that clubhouse uh, and with the performance on the field. But uh, to have him walk in, you know, first day here in camp and sort of drop the truth bomb that, um, you know, there, there's a need for an attitude adjustment, I think. Some guys, you know, after 13, 14, and 15, maybe a little bit of taking it for granted, maybe a little bit of just uh, cruising at times and forgetting, you know, what it's like to kind of be hungry and, and, and have to fight and scratch for stuff. Um, I think he was, you know, he wasn't here for those playoff teams in Pittsburgh. He's appeared against one of them when he was with the Cardinals in 13. And, um, you know, so, so he, he got a sense of what it was like here with, for the guys who were in the club. And, um, you know, he said it starts, he didn't, he didn't rule himself out. He says he has to do a better job, but he, he pointed to every guy in that clubhouse. He pointed to the people in the front office. He pointed to ownership. And, um, you know, I think it was a message that needed to be sent. And he's a guy who, like you say, has been there. He's, he's a World Series MVP. He's hit some, some, some big, uh, made some big plays and big games. And he's a veteran guy on this team now, even though he's only been here a couple of years. There's not many veteran guys left, it seems. That's how it works with the Pirates. So uh, I wasn't entirely shocked that he opened his mouth and, and, and talked rather bluntly and freely for about 20 minutes. While you talk about it, it's words that a lot of people felt that needed to be said, that doesn't necessarily mean that management wants it to be said. Has there been any reaction internally from the Pirates about that? 
Yeah, I'm I'm sure that both he and uh, and Josh Harrison, who you know, as you know, issued the uh, trade me demand and via the Athletic back in January when the when the uh, cleaning house portion began with McCutcheon and Garrett Cole being traded. I'm sure both of those guys have gotten some pushback from the front office. Um, you know, yesterday when we talked to Neil Huntington, the general manager, and, and also uh, Glenn Hurdle, the, the manager of the team, they, they both tried to put a smiley face on it, saying that, you know, we're willing to listen, and we may not agree with everything they say, but we're, we're you know, open, willing to have open lines of communication and blah, blah, blah. But I think the bottom line is, and, and the message they delivered is that, you know, we're the ones running this team. We have a model, a business model that we're going to follow, and... You know, you may disagree with that, guys, but this is how it's going to be run. At the end of the day, you know, they're the guys uh, making the moves, spending the money. So you really can't do much if you're a player except, you know, sit back and deal with it. Yet that business model did bring with it, I believe, a $50 million windfall, didn't it? Didn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, it depends. Uh, the team is, you know, it, it seems pretty clear that the club is making money. And it's just how much is, is up for debate. I mean, this year, they every every major league team had a check for $50 million, um, part of the distribution of money from the sale of MLB Advanced Media, the Internet side of MLB, which was sold to Disney, and which, you know, Disney has, has a few dollars in its bank account. Mm-hmm. So uh, every club got that $50 million. The Pirates still get a check every year for revenue sharing. So you figure between that 50 and whatever it is they get in revenue sharing, I'm hearing anywhere from 20 to to. Thirty-five or forty million dollars—that pretty much covers their entire payroll before they sell a ticket, before they sell a T-shirt or a hot dog or park a car down in the North Shore. Their payroll is pretty much covered, and then you throw in the money they get from the TV, radio, advertising. Um, you know, it's booming in baseball. It's a ten billion dollar business right now, and it's only going to keep going up. And uh, if you know, if you if you're a guy that owns your team, you're uh, like like Mr. Nunny here in Pittsburgh. You're you're in good shape. Is there any other franchise in the majors that has a similar business model to the Pirates, based on what you know? Well, you can look at it the way some like the the, the Marlins to a degree, although they're not as heavily invested in in player development as the Pirates have been. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, I think, are pretty comparable. Um, for a few years there, the San Diego Padres were, but now they've kind of shifted. You know, the, saw the money they spent on Hosmer uh, one yesterday. So that, you know, maybe their their paradigm is shifting a little bit. But the Pirates, you know, I mean, they approach it as, you know, here's, here's, your, you know, here's your budget and spend that however you want on player acquisition, but that's, that's your budget for the year. And it's not going to be as big as some other teams. The Pirates are never going to have a payroll that's in the upper half of baseball at least not as long as this current ownership group is in place. But they intend to, you know, develop as many players as they can from guys they draft and bring them up. Um, And you complement that with with guys you acquire via trades or or free agency. It's never going to be like a superstar kind of guy, but you look for complementary pieces that can fill in there. And that's, uh, you know, a a, a solid, I mean, it's it's put the team back on, on pretty solid financial footing when, and Nutty took over as principal owner about a decade ago, you know, there was some concern about the debt-to-equity ratio for this club, which is, you know, the reason Aramis Ramirez had to be traded to the Cubs. 
out of the blue, you know, a few years back. And now there's a plan, at least. It may not be what everyone is hoping for, especially if you like big, flashy rosters and teams that hit a lot of home runs with a lot of games. But there's a plan there, and the Pirates are stable, and they're turning, you know, you could say turning a small profit, and they're not making waves in MLB. You don't see a lot of troublemakers, or the ownership doesn't go against, you know, things MLB's commissioner's office is trying to do. So it's exactly what the people in New York would like to see. And, uh, you know, you can argue if you're a fan, is it better to have a team that really wants to go all out to pedal the medal every year to win? Or is it better to have a team that just is kind of like an accountant's dream? <laughs> right. A little boring and, and a little stable. Rob, uh, what about now? One thing about acquiring prospects is that it's a guessing game. Uh, sometimes they pan out and it's great, and other times they don't. I've sensed the Pirates were pretty happy with the return that they got for Garrett Cole and for Andrew McCutcheon, just based on their scouting. What kind of return did they get, or is it just going to have to be a wait-and-see thing for the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it, it is going to be a heavily kind of wait-and-see kind of thing. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, the probably the, I think, the, at least in, especially in the short term, the biggest name could be, could be Joe Musgrove, who um, just never was able to make his way into the starting rotation with the Astros and was more of a long reliever, and that was kind of where he was ticketed for, with them um, in the near you know, in the future, or maybe even for the rest of his career if he would have stayed with Houston. And now here he gets a chance. They're going to give him every opportunity to become a starting pitcher and win a rotation spot. Colin Moran, a guy who was kind of a backup infielder kind of piece, with you know, is now also going to, he's going to be the, the starting opening day third baseman. And they're going to try to you know give him every chance to hang on to that job and keep it. Um, those two pieces, I think, you know, are the, are the biggest, maybe the most immediate impact kind of thing. But they got a couple of guys, a couple of minor league outfielders, Martin and Reynolds, who could pan out. Uh, some scouts have told me they could be, you know, fourth outfielder types potentially. But it's, it's so hard to predict at this level that, you know, it wouldn't necessarily be a surprise that they bloom into something a little bit bigger than that. But you're right, it is such a guessing game, which is why when you're dealing with prospects, it's usually better to get a bunch and <laughs> have yeah. one or two bloom on you than, than just bank everything on one or two. New pace of play rules, six mound visits. Yeah. Uh, that that has now come out. They negotiated between the Players Association and uh, obviously uh, the commissioner's office. They're also cutting down uh, 20 seconds per commercial break, which should cut six minutes off the games themselves, including a countdown clock in the ballpark. What did you think about the mound visits? Now, certain certain visits, for example, there's an injury or if, if it's raining and an infielder needs a tongue depressor or whatever, that doesn't count. But what did you think about the uh, the rule? I'm not a big fan of of these kinds of tweaks. I mean, I'm, I'm sure MLB has a a purpose behind you know the, the, it's it's very focused right now on pace of game, shortening the times of games. And I've heard a lot of different theories about it. One of them I thought was pretty interesting is you know you go to a big league game these days, uh, most people 
at any given moment are probably not watching the game. They're watching their phones, they're talking to their buddies, they're in line for a beer uh, or whatever. And the, the ball game is, is kind of a nice thing to have on in the background of wherever you are. It's, and that's kind of always been the nature of baseball. Um, but if it goes too long, people can get bored with it. They wander, their attention really wanders, or they, 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 they do something else. So I, I think, in, in a way, you know, putting so much attention on when it comes down to trimming three or four or five minutes off a already three hour product, I don't know. I mean, it, these, I think these, the changes they're putting in now, the six visits, that seems pretty harmless because I don't know if many managers make more than six visits in a game uh, when they're, you know, changing, not changing pitchers anyway. But that includes the catcher, though. True, true. And I think that's what you'll probably see more of is that if, if these teams now will start to use all six because you have six. Right. <laughs> Before, that's very true. You know? Yeah, so before it might have been, you know, maybe you just need to make one or two visits a game. Now it's the ninth inning, and you, you know, you up a couple runs. Well, let's give this guy a minute or two to gather himself. Let's take a couple visits. Yeah. So now before maybe we're out of the inning in five minutes, now we're out of the inning in, inning in seven minutes. And baseball shot itself in the foot there. So I just hate these kind of artificial constraints. I'm, I'm very much, uh, I guess, old school with it. Just let the game play out the way it's going to play out and some days it's going to be done in in, in, you know an hour and 58 minutes and some days it's going to be done in four hours and 58 minutes i've been at both kinds of games and that's just the way they are well i to me this is an a slight overreaction to soccer soccer's over in less than two hours I mean, and that's where the millennials have been flocking, MLS. I think some of this, is, to me, is an overreaction to soccer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I became a Premier League fan a couple of years ago because yeah. I needed yeah. something to watch. It. And that's one of the beauties of it is you're right. You, you turn the game on at 10 o'clock in the morning, and you know if you have plans for lunch at, at 12.05, you can make it there. <laughs> um, they're going to be done playing. <laughs> Who's your team? So, uh, I'm an Everton man myself. Ah, okay. It's, yes, it's been a rough year. Uh, been a rough, probably, few years. <laughs> but now that Lukaku was gone, it's really rough. So, yeah. yeah. yeah but, uh, please don't tell me you're a Liverpool guy. Actually, uh, I'm not any guy. But Jeff Tarman, okay. who's our producer on the radio network for football and basketball, is a huge Liverpool guy. Dave Baker uh, is a huge Arsenal guy. I would rather walk alone. He'll know what I mean. Yeah, he, oh, no. Believe me, he tells Dick Girardi and me that all the time. You know, and we don't think it's just a Liverpool thing. I think he, whether he's around us, he would rather walk alone. Outstanding. Rob, thanks so much. It's always a pleasure. It's great to hear you always do such great work and great to see you at a quality uh, group like The Athletic. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate it, man. Anytime. Uh, just give me a buzz. Like to chat some ball. Always have fun. Rob Beer Temple from The Athletic joining us from Florida. Coming up in the next half hour, we will talk with Neil Kulong. Don't forget Penn State basketball tonight. Michigan in the Jordan Center at 7. Ron beginning at 6.30. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Welcome back to today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Coming up tomorrow, Dana O'Neill from The Athletic will join us. Talk about college basketball. We'll discuss what happened with the Louisville appeal and also take a look at what she thinks about Penn State, especially after tonight's game with Michigan at the Jordan Center, which will be a 7 o'clock tip-off at a 6.30 airtime as the Lions take on Michigan tonight. Just a few moments, we'll talk with Neil Kulong. And uh, let's get to this day in sports history. In 1904, the National Ski Association was formed in Ishping, Michigan. 1931, the White Sox and the New York Giants became the first major league teams to play a night game. Obviously, it's spring training. Regular season game, of course, was that Phillies-Reds game in 1935 at Crosley Field. 1968, an agreement between the baseball players and club owners increased the minimum salary for major league players to $10,000 a year. That's now what they tip for the uh, buffet after the game. 1970, Bobby Hall, yes, the Golden Jet, from the Chicago Blackhawks scored his 500th career point. 1973, the Blackhawks played in their 262nd game without being shut out. 1974, Tom Seaver signed a contract with the New York Mets worth $172,000 a year. 1985. Back in this day in 1985, I want to remind everyone that the Detroit Pistons, who were getting to be really good at this time, were playing their games in the Pontiac Silverdome. They were not playing yet at the Palace of Auburn Hills. It's a good good size arena, 23,000 seats. An attendance record was set on this day in the NBA. 44,970 watched the game between the Atlanta Hawks and the Detroit Pistons, who was in the Pontiac Silverdome. 1986, Raleigh Fingers refused to shave his mustache to comply with the policy of the Cincinnati Reds. 1986, Jimmy Connors was fined $20,000 and suspended from tennis for 10 weeks after he threw a fit while playing against Yvonne Lendl. 1996, the Philadelphia 76ers had their worst offensive performance in 40 years. They managed to score a whopping 57 points against the Miami Heat. And yes, a 48-minute game with professionals. And that's this day in sports history. I feel like in the last uh, month we've been on the apology tour. Every time you turn around, there's an announcer apologizing. There's an athlete apologizing. There's a national anthem singer apologizing. Everybody's apologizing these days. You know, Shouldn't have tweeted that out. I apologize. I shouldn't have said that on the air. I apologize. I shouldn't have said that at the press conference. I apologize. And then there's what Fergie did the other night, the NBA All-Star Game. I finally did hear the version of it because obviously I didn't see the All-Star Game. I was doing the uh, Penn State-Purdue basketball game, which was opposite the All-Star Game. So I never saw anything. Didn't even see the highlights. I still haven't seen the highlights to this day, but I did See and hear, not say, in fact, I haven't seen it. I heard Fergie's version of the national anthem. It didn't go well. Happens. 
I mean, when Roseanne thinks she did a better version, that's really not a great comparison. But everybody's apologizing these days. At the Olympics, everybody's apologizing. Announcers are apologizing. Networks are apologizing. Yeah, we would have wanted to have shown you the winner of the women's giant slalom, but we're so smart, we missed it. Huh? By the way, Lindsey Vaughn, of course, uh, bronze medal last night in the downhill, which is probably her final Olympic event. I mean, she's Lindsey Vaughn, I think, is with 33 now, right? I mean, to think she'd be in Beijing at the age of 37, uh, I mean, I wouldn't doubt she's in Beijing, but I wouldn't doubt she's in Beijing announcing. Uh, but, yeah, uh, but she won a bronze last night in the downhill. Michaela Schifrin is going to uh, try and get gold in the combine coming up. But everyone's apologizing these days, uh, including Fergie with the national anthem. And with that, I would like to at least publicly... On behalf of Neil Kulong, apologize for the last 12 segments we've done because I'm sure somewhere in there we had to apologize for something. Neil, welcome. It's great to have you with us. It's good to be here. <laughs> I, I I didn't need an apology for that song. As long as she promises to never do it again, I'd, I'd be fine with that. That's, That's all really I care about. I right, really. Let, let, let's try America the Beautiful next time. See how it goes. All right, we'll kind of break you back in slowly but surely. Uh, Neil, Le'Veon Bell, he's still asking for Neil Kulong money. You know, it's, uh, it, 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 I've been wrong about this on pretty much every turn. Um, I, I really didn't think that they'd want to get themselves in position to be able to do that. And, uh, to the extent that they've done now, I, I think they've, they've opened up enough room to be able to tag him. And I think that's just more, let's, let's lock him in place. So he has to talk to us. I, I understand why they would be doing that. The amount of, of uh, money that they did clear up, um, I, I don't think that was so much of an issue. I mean, considering these are core players that they got restructured, you know, guys like uh, David DeCastro, he's not going anywhere for a while. So it makes sense to, you know, kind of give him a little bit of a reward, give him some upfront money, clear out some cap space. But really, I mean, the, the Bell's bottom line has to be that $14.5 million um, tag level for the, the first year of his contract. So you're, you're talking about, it's easily the highest paid running back in the history of the NFL. And this is a league now where Alvin Kamara is available in the third round. We're seeing that over and over. Um, it's, it's risky. I mean, you know, you, you're, you're getting certainly one of the best offensive players in the game, but that, that's a huge amount of money for a team that really needs defensive help. Um, even if Ryan Shazier was there, they, they need defensive help. Uh, they're, they're putting a lot into it. Um, clearly they, they want to make a deal. Um, I, I can, uh, I see the value from that end, but it's just it's going to hurt their cap uh, bottom line long term. I think. Well, it's rare that a running back does that because usually what's ruining caps these days happen to be the quarterback money, and they already got Roethlisberger taken care of. Yeah, it, it's it, it, this will largely be an unprecedented contract in in many ways, and it, it's obviously I don't know the exact number that they're going to be talking about, but if it's going to be north of the sixteen allegedly uh, rejected last season, you're you're talking. You know Antonio Brown level. Um, it, it's it, you're going to carry Roethlisberger for three years. That that's what he said that he wanted to play. Uh, how much longer he wanted to play with Antonio Brown as well and Bell. I mean that that's you know with the offensive line that they're already spending. I mean they're probably seventy percent of their cap is going to be tied into about eight players. I'm not sure if that's common around the NFL, but uh, it, 
you're, you really have to hit a bunch of home runs in the draft if that's what you're going to do. You're going to have to have a lot of guys grossly outplaying the rookie contracts if, if uh, you want to keep the, the group intact. And, and there's, you know, there, there's reason to think that maybe they should, but you haven't really seen them win a championship uh, with these guys for the, the amount of time that they've been together. It's, uh, it, it's a, a strategic risk and one that I'm not sure we've really seen or felt accustomed to seeing from the Steelers. And Doug Martin uh, was just given his release by the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Six years in the league. Much of a concern based on usage. I mean, because Bell has had a lot of touches the last couple of years. How much of a concern yeah, is that you give money into a guy that already has a lot of wear and tear on him? Because, uh, by the way, at Michigan State, he got a lot of touches, too. Yeah, I mean, you look at it overall, and he, he's you know transformed his body twice. You know, how much more is it really going to take? I mean, the, the injuries that he's had, I, I think, are they're, they're more of the you know wear and tear variety or even the sudden impact. Over time, though, he's going to slow down. That's just inevitable. And the, the style that he runs with requires him to be uh, it, it, at an insanely quick level. I mean, the, the cutback that he has is, is, you know, it's fully weaponized now. Um, you have to count on him keeping himself in shape, which I think that they can do to a certain extent. And you really have to count on him keeping his legs healthy. And that really isn't always in the control of every single football player. Um, it's, it, it's tough. It's tough. I, I think Le'Veon Bell is a, a phenomenal player. Uh, if he plays his career in Pittsburgh, he'll, he'll rewrite every rushing record that they have. Um, and it, this is a pretty storied franchise when it comes to running the football. So you, you can kind of see where they're coming from with it. But you, you can also see this blowing up pretty easily as well. Um, it, it, I don't know. It, this is a tough one for me. There's also Martavis Bryant. I mean, he'll be back. Uh, how much of a roll of the dice is it with this guy every year? Um, I, I think what they have – right now with Bryant is uh, somebody that, that kind of had a, a peak and valley season last year, kind of getting his leg back under him. Um, some off-the-field drama that I don't think they really appreciated a whole lot. But uh, toward the end, he was doing what he was supposed to be doing. You can kind of see him interacting with the teammates a little bit uh, better than he was. And they've got him for another year on the Chiefs. I, I think that's really his highest and best use. Um, I, I thought the level that Juju Smith-Schuster played at over the second half of the year really shows that Bryant's on his way out. They're not going to keep uh, – all three of those receivers certainly when um, you know one of them is going to be cheap for a couple more years. Bryant will, you know, I, I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they'll keep him in Pittsburgh, um, you know, over this next season. He's going to be playing for a contract, so um, it, it'll certainly be up to him to kind of keep his nose clean and, and do what he needs to do. But he's got a lot of financial incentive to do exactly that because if he's in Pittsburgh, he's probably going to be the third option in the passing game. He's going to have to make the most of his opportunities and show that he could be a good teammate if he wants to cash in in free agency. I, I would assume that that's the path he's going to want to go down. How interested are you in this Kirk Cousins uh, situation? I, from a financial perspective, I think it's interesting. Yeah, um, what we're seeing, What we're seeing, and we, we saw this with uh, Garoppolo's contract, uh, just because of the salary cap, while the, you know, I, I think owners – sort of enjoyed the fact that there was a boon for a couple of years there of, of, you know, just mass amounts of cap room without them really having to increase spending a whole lot. Now uh, what we're seeing with the quarterbacks in particular is you can either give me the Joe Flacco contract, which guarantees that I own you for the next 10 years of my career, right. or we can just dumb this down very simply and say, give me my money guaranteed. This is what you're going to give me guaranteed anyway. We can control the cap a little bit better if my money is guaranteed and it's up front. You know, Garoppolo, they put pretty much everything into to, uh, the first season in this contract, which mitigates his cap over the next couple of years. That, to me, is a really smart move. And I think that's what a, a team that, that's going to want to sign Kirk Cousins 
that's what they're going to be faced with. Cousins is going to say basically that. I've done what Garoppolo here has done in six games for the last four years. I, I'm worth this. This is what, you know, very simply, this is the value of a franchise starting quarterback. And it's impossible to say that to, to whatever degree he doesn't qualify in that status. I mean, he's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. But he's going to get paid. Somebody's going to pay him. There are way too many teams out there that have way too much uh, salary cap space. If, if they're going to sell their, their – uh, you know, their fans and even, you know, the NFLPA that they're trying to win, they want to spend money, Cousins is going to get paid. So to right. me, you look at a team like the Vikings, uh, they have the cap space set up uh, simply because they're one of the, the rare teams that right now do not have a quarterback signed. Right. So they have the money to spend, and they have it, it uh, really earmarked for that position. So if Cousins was to go to Minnesota and say, look, I, I can, you know, win you that NFC championship game next year, I want $28 million and I want – you know, I want $28 million a season. I want pretty much all of that to be guaranteed. And I, I think he's going to get somewhere in that ballpark. You're looking at a guy that probably could get 85 or $90 million far and away set uh, the, the record in the NFL to a point where it's just like, why not just give him the whole contract guarantee? <laughs> Keep the right. cap uh, to a level that we can continue to manage it. We can pay other guys that, that want to come here or want to stay here. But lock the guy in place. We can give him just the guaranteed money without the you know trumped-up um, you know, back end year stuff that really gets you into salary cap trouble. Would it shock you if Daniel Snyder tagged Kirk Cousins? It, it would. It absolutely would. And I, it's, you might even file a grievance if he was to do that. I, mean, I, I agree with you. How, they should file a grievance if he did. I don't know why you'd even bother trading for Alex Smith if you just wanted to basically try to flip that, get your third round pick back in a trade for Cousins to a point where he's not guaranteed to sign with anybody. His value goes through the floor. The second that he gets traded, all of that tag uh, amount, which is, what was it, like $32 million or something like that? Yeah. All of that goes directly to the team's cap right away, and they have no assurance that he's going to sign a contract. He doesn't need to. You know, it, 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 Assuming that he wouldn't have signed the tag, which I'm sure he won't, um, he doesn't have any leverage. And I, that's just, it's bad business. It's even, I, I think that might even be beneath Dan Snyder. I, I guess I can't guarantee that, but that that's a that'd be a pretty bold move. Jeez, and I don't know. I mean, it would be a bold move, but I don't know. I mean, he might do it <laughs> just I don't to even do know, it. What, what, what would they even get back for him? To me, that, that's that's really the question. You, you, you have, well, yeah, I mean, certainly he can you know take one parting shot at Cousins on his way out the door. But yeah. another team has to give up something to acquire a guy on the largest uh, franchise tag in NFL history. What? What's that worth to a team? Are you going to give him a third-round pick? I don't think so. I mean, right. granted, it's what Alex Smith got, but you know, it, many would say they'd rather give up yeah. a third-round pick and a big contract to Alex Smith than Kirk Cousins. If the Steelers sign Bell, would they franchise anybody? Uh, I, I wouldn't think so. I right. think it, it, at this point now, they're probably looking to, to release a few. Um, yeah, that'll probably be the next move. I think they'll they'll. Well, maybe not release, but certainly discuss a, a different contract situation. I think that conversation is going to be taking place with Mike Mitchell. Um, they're not going to want him to play uh, 2018 at his current contract. Uh, if he doesn't want to do that, I mean, he, he can refuse and get cut the same way that James Harrison did back in, in 2013. But Harrison got less money from the Bengals than he did from what the Steelers were offering uh, to, to cut him down to. And I would imagine Mitchell will probably find that same level of resistance. Um, it's not a great market for safeties. It just never will yeah. be, especially one that's, that's been playing as long as Mitchell has. Neil, always a pleasure. Great to hear from you. New Kulong, USA Today. Get to him again next week. Something about football. You can talk football all year round because 
you've got the combine coming up, free agency coming up, then of course leading into the draft. I mean, you know, and then it's OTAs. Feel like you can talk football all year round. They've done it. The NFL has done a great job of making sure there's a full cycle of it as you go through. Uh, so uh, Lindsey Vaughn won the bronze last night in the downhill. Ryan Shazier, by the way, let's keep it with football for a moment, says that he wants to play again and he wants to be an all-pro. And he made the statement uh, yesterday. Uh, he says, I got to – he said uh, in his first interview since the injury, he told teammate Roosevelt Nix that not only does he plan to play again, but he wants to get to Canton. He says the goals haven't changed. Shazier told Nix, quote, I got to get back, bro. Uh, during a, this is an appearance on Nix's podcast. Every day, bro, every day I'm like right now I'm reading a book and it's basically saying trust the process, bro. I'm trusting the uh, process and I know the end goal. I'm taking it step by step uh, of the way, uh, every step of the way, but I'm like I'm giving it my football effort, like 1,000, everything I've got. Says the therapists think that, quote, this man is crazy. I'm happy to be working with an athlete because I've never seen anybody work this hard. They've seen progression almost every day. They say some progression they see week to week. They see it in me from day to day. See, I've got to get it. I'm really trying to come back and still be a pro bowler, still be an all pro. Uh, he says, I'm still reaching for the Hall of Fame. I feel like I'm the best linebacker ever. I've just got to get back out there so everybody can see it. Uh, General Andrew Kevin Colbert said that uh, that he's there on a daily basis. He says he does some physical workouts in the morning. He either sits with the coaches or he sits with us. He's learning some of the personnel stuff just to keep uh, him involved with us. And then he goes and does his rehab at the rehab facility. But the great thing about it is Ryan does as much as we do for him because the way he works at this and the attitude that he has shown and his rehabilitation, it's really uplifting. Never once has he said, why me? And I know that that is an uplifting gesture for us and those that deal with him because he shows us that everyone has problems, but he's going to work to overcome his as we should ours. That was from Kevin Colbert. So he's making progress. I mean, let's face it, everybody's rooting for him. Everybody is rooting for him. Uh, also, the uh, one of the Steelers' minority owners, It's the Rooney's only owned about 30% of the team. I don't think a lot of people realize that sometimes. Uh, but uh, it turned out that uh, billionaire David Tepper is now trying to maybe leave the Steelers. He owns about 5% of them. And he's trying to buy the uh, Carolina Panthers. And he, you know, Tepper, of course, the founder of the Appaloosa Management, which is an $11 billion hedge fund investment firm that he started in 1993. So he is trying to buy the Carolina Panthers, and he might try to bid as much as $2 billion to get them. So he is one of the ones that's in the running for that. All right, coming up next half hour, we'll talk about Penn State and Michigan. Big game in the Jordan Center coming up tonight for the Nittany Lions. They will play this evening at 7 o'clock. 6.30 will be the airtime. Senior night for Julian Moore and Shep Garner at the Jordan Center. 
and a big game as Penn State goes for its 20th win of the season and its 10th win in the conference. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK.